Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online service. Our theme for this year is Plus One, which encourages us to invite someone to join us in worship and fellowship. Our mission statement is simple. It's loving God, loving people, and loving life. We hope that this message will serve as a source of inspiration and encouragement for you. Each episode, we will explore different aspects of our faith, share stories of hope and healing, and discuss ways we can make a positive impact in our community and the world. So whether you're a longtime member of our church or just tuning in for the first time, we welcome you to join us on this journey. Let's make 2023 a year of growth, both for ourselves and for those around us. Thanks for listening. Here we go. Pray, okay? Prayer is one of the elements. But if you're going to pray, how are you going to pray? What's the manner in which you pray? Pray in faith. So how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So prayer is a part of the formula in terms of dealing with the storms and the challenges we face. But prayer must be uh, established on the foundation of faith. So if you're going to go to God in prayer, the first thing that we must do is go to the Word of God and begin to cultivate and stir up the Word of God on the inside. What does God say? What are His promises? What has He given to me? Therefore, when I go to God, I can approach Him with faith and confidence and say, Hey, God, I've got a request. I've got some things that I'm dealing with. But I'm also presenting and coming to you on the foundation and the basis of your Word. And your Word says, and therefore I can ask confidently knowing that if you did it, then you'll do it it now you're no respecter of person so God I need you to answer and show up amen and so today for the lack of a better word the things that I'm going to be sharing with you are things that I've just been pressing into God with these are just some personal uh, study notes that I've just been purposing to get in God's face on some things so is that all right if it will help me it will help you because All of us are experiencing storms of life, and the enemy is increasing the storms and the challenges and the difficulties because he wants you to just give up and throw in the towel. Amen? So, we're going to just press in to God this morning, and I just trust that this is going to help you because, again, every one of us are experiencing challenges in some form or fashion because that's just the way the enemy works. In fact, I just challenge you this. Uh, Well, let me just back up. I was talking with an individual the other day. Uh, uh, I'll be limited in what I'm saying because he was an, a former uh, pastor. There's a call of God on his life. And he's not been serving God or he's not been in, in ministry for about the last 10 years now. And so he's gotten over into the secular world and doing a secular job. And I was talking to him and he says, you know what? He says, life has been great. He said, I've never had so much more money. He said, I've never had so much joy in my life. We just live in the life, having the fun, and just running, running, running. And I thought to myself, I thought, well, that's all well and good, but you've got a call of God on your life. I said, you've got a call of God. I didn't say this to him, but he's got a call of God on his life. And has gotten so distracted by things that he's not fulfilling the call on his life and therefore everything seems to be okay and isn't that how the enemy works that he'll pacify you and let you experiencing all the pleasures and all the non-pressures of life just to lull you into a place of sleep 
sleep, uh, 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 just taking a nap. Does that make sense? And so if you're just sitting here just like, you know what, I, just, I don't know what y'all are talking about. It, you know, the devil don't ever attack me. He don't ever bother me. Now, my question for you is, that where's your walk with God? Because if you're walking and seeking God's face, the enemy is coming after you and trying to distract you from experiencing God's best. And I don't say that to be critical. I'm just simply saying that if you're pressing into God, the enemy's got a target on your back. Because if you're pursuing God, pressing after Him, seeking the will of God for your life and to fulfill the plan of God for your life, the enemy is trying everything to stop you in this hour because he knows his time is short. You can buy in with everybody else and start boo-hooing and complaining, singing the same sad song, or you can be somebody that's different. And they're like, well, what is different about you? And that's the opportunity we can share Jesus, right? And so praise God. God has us in this hour, in this time, for such a time because people need Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to just bring to your attention a scripture that you're very uh, familiar with, and it's over there in John chapter 3, verse 16, right? For, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says that God so loved the world. That he gave Jesus. He loved you. He loved me. He loved those that have went before and those that are coming after us. When Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave. But notice that he says this in verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So in other words, God sent Jesus. There was a package of love that God sent so that people could experience God's goodness, His love, and be restored to the Father. Well, why do you exist as an individual? Why were you born in such a time as this? Not only just because you happened to be an accident or mom and dad wanted a boy or a girl and so they had you. No, there was a set time and purpose that God saw fit to send you in this hour to be here at such a time to share the love of God. Amen? He knew that you would respond to the call. He knew that you would respond to the, 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 the beckoning of the Holy Spirit saying, I want to know you and have a relationship with you. Amen? And so, not only did Jesus, was he sent so that relationship could be restored, but the Bible also says in John chapter 10, verse 10, and this is one of my favorite verses, and oftentimes you'll hear it around here. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, For the thief come not for to, but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, and life more abundantly. One translation says, in quality and in quantity. Jesus said, I've not only come that you have eternal life or relationship with God. He said, but I've come that this life would be a life of knowing God and a life full of abundance. Notice what it says in the voice translation. It says, the thief approaches with malicious intent, looking to steal, to slaughter, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give life with joy and abundance. God said that the reason he sent Jesus was so that your sins could be forgiven, but not just so that one day you could go to heaven and escape hell. He said that I came so that you could not have to go through hell while you're here on this earth, but that you could experience joy. And experience life. Amen. 
Now, if that is the, 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 the purpose and the intent of Jesus, wouldn't it stand to reason that the enemy works so hard to rob you and steal your joy? Absolutely. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but one of the main ways that he steals our joy and steals our purpose of life is through ignorance. Ignorance of the Word of God. Because in His Word are His promises. And in His Word it says His promises are yes and amen. Amen. So in other words, the Bible says I can prosper, I can increase. The Bible says that I can walk being free of my, uh, having freedom in my mind. I can have a healthy body. Amen. Well, that brings joy, doesn't it? Well, then doesn't it also stand to reason that that's where the enemy likes to attack? In your mind, in your finances, in your physical body, in your marriage, in your family, right? But Jesus said, I've come that you would have an abundance of life and an abundance of joy. Well, you realize that the scriptures oftentimes parallel. Uh, now, oftentimes they do parallel from the Old Testament in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, there is a foreshadowing of the redemptive work of what Jesus was coming to do. Not only to give us eternal life, forgiveness of sin, and freedom from slavery of sin, but the abundant life. And the example that God gave us in the scripture or that foreshadowing is the example of Moses going and setting the people of Israel free. Do you remember that story? In fact, if you don't know the story, uh, during this holiday season of Easter, I believe it's, uh, was it Passover? Uh, the, the, uh, probably will be next Saturday night. You will see the Ten Commandments program that comes on. That will show you the story or the foreshadowing of what Jesus but done through the life of Moses. But what was that story about? The Bible says that God was delivering the people of God from slavery and taking them to the promised land. The promised land was the land that flowed with milk and honey. It was the promise of God, the blessing of God, the goodness of God. And it was only actually about a week and a half's journey to get there. But because of the hardness of heart, the complaining and the murmuring of the people, the Bible says that they wandered around for 40 years, and it was only about a week and a half day's trip to get to the promised land. And God is constantly and continually trying to work out their relationship, say, can you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you listen? Will you, will you obey me? Will you follow me? Will you love me? Right? And it says that it came to a point in the time where as they were getting ready to go into the promised land, God says, listen, you know, you've grumbled and complained long enough. And the original bunch that I set free and brought out with me, that original bunch won't see the promise. They'll experience my goodness, but they will never see the fulfillment of what I desired for them. He said, in fact... There is a younger generation, a new people that is beginning to arise and will rise up. And it's those people that will see the goodness of God and the promise of God. Amen. And so in this hour, in this day, God's raising up a new generation, a new remnant, a new group of people that will see the blessings and the goodness of God. Amen. But now in regards to that initial group. Here's what we see. There were two different groups. Number one, there were those that said, we can't go possess the land. It's too difficult. It's too hard. It's too big of a job. But then there were those that said, we can. 
And the reason that we can is because God said. Amen. I told you that this is a reflection of my own personal Bible study. Amen. Because there, are the, there will be those voices that say you can't. It's too hard. It's too big of a task. But then there's the voice of God that says, I've commissioned and I've called and I've appointed and I've made you a promise. And if you'll trust me, if you'll say I can, you will because I said it. Amen. And so what kind of people are we in this hour? What's the difference between those people that never walked into the promise or saw the fulfillment of what God said? And what was the difference of those people that walked in and experienced the promises of God? There were those that became fixated on the challenges, and then there were those that were focused on the promises of God. I said there will be those that will be fixated on the problems and the obstacles and the challenges, and there will be people that are focused on the promises of God. How many of you know that when it comes to God, God always pays? Payday always comes with God. It may not always show up on Friday, but God is never early and never late. He's always right on time. Amen? And there is a move of God that is happening across this earth and in this land. And bless God, it's happening in this church. And I'm going to see it come to fruition. Praise the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. So how do we keep the enemy from stealing, killing, and destroying? When you sense that the enemy is knocking on your door, when you sense that this seems like he's trying to wreak havoc in your life, what is it, how is it that the enemy still kills and destroys? I've already said it, uh, said it, but it is the fact that he keeps God's people ignorant of the promises or his word. And secondly, he continually paints a picture of the obstacles in front. Amen. What keeps us from trusting God in all of the affairs of our life? I mean, when the doctor says cancer, is cancer too big for God? No. But what causes it to be too big for us is the fear that we experience because we think, oh, dear God, it's cancer. But there's never been a cancer that has been too difficult, too difficult for God. There's no cancer that God can't cure. Why? Because he is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can you say amen? So my question for you is this. If Jesus was sent to seek and to save that which was lost, if he was come to show the love of God, what caused or what prevented, I should say, Jesus from buckling to all the pressure? Let me ask you, uh, again, paint the picture if you will. I, I realize that oftentimes what we will say is that that was Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God. Well, you know, he couldn't fail. He couldn't miss it. He couldn't get upset. He couldn't get hurt. He couldn't be uh, 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 wounded in his emotions. No, the Bible says that he was 100% man. And actually, the Bible says that he felt everything that we've ever experienced so that he could relate to you and I. But what kept him from buckling to the pressure? He was rejected, persecuted. They tried to kill him on a number of occasions. He was betrayed by one of his 12. And then he was ultimately betrayed by the people that he was sent to. And they hung him on a cross and crucified him. What kept him from buckling to the pressures and the attacks and the storms of life from every direction? Well, we'll come back to that in just a minute. But in regards to the oppositions that we experience in life, 
Isn't it interesting? We think that as we get older, that's when we experiencing, experience the challenges of life. But have you ever noticed that the enemy seems to have ramped things up for the young people of today? Attacking their mind, attacking their identity, uh, attacking their self-worth. I mean, it is uh, horrific in the manner of how the enemy is going after the young generation. The reason being is because it is this generation that will usher in the coming of the Lord. It is this young generation that is going to rise up and be bold and do things unconventional that we've never seen before and bring in a harvest that we've never seen before. And so he's coming after the young generation. But every attack... The, the root of the opposition to steal, to kill, to destroy is at its core is devilish. It's the enemy, it's the devil that is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember the Bible says this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. Notice the Bible says this, it says, had they known what they were doing to Jesus. Remember the Bible says that when they crucified uh, Jesus, that they thought they had won the victory. But it says, had they known, speaking of the devils and demons, had they known what they'd done when they crucified the Lord of glory, they would have never done it. Why? Because what they did and what they thought they uh, had victory over and what they thought they won, they actually set Jesus up to create the victory for all of us. Amen. But every attack, every opposition... Every storm of life, some of it might be self-inflicted, but it's always by the influence of the enemy. And it's important that we know that. And so once again, those attacks that were against Jesus, no different than you or I. The attack on Jesus' ministry was no different than any other ministry. It's devilish at its root. And what happens? We see that the attack was not only spiritual, but it was physical. It was a natural attack. It wore on the emotions and the spirit of an individual. Think about it. When, when you're going through the deepest and the darkest storms of life, how does it affect you? It can affect you physically. Have you ever had those moments and those times where the enemy's uh, uh, tormenting you and you can't sleep at night? You're exhausted physically and emotionally. But you can't sleep. Again, from the standpoint of your emotions, your emotions running here and running there. And it just seems like you're, there's great stress and anxiety and worry, and it's affecting you emotionally and uh, physically as well. But then once again, what's he doing? He's trying to tear down and to destroy the strength of your spirit. So the attacks, the storms of life are to come against you spiritually, physically, emotionally. And Jesus was one that experienced the same thing. I want to bring your attention over to Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic Edition. And I said all that to bring us to this point. In Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 25, it says, And he shall speak words against the Most High God, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change the times of the sacred feast and the holy days, and the law, and the saints shall be given into his hands. 
Well, I want to bring to your attention, notice what it says. It says, they will speak against, come against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. That word, to wear out, means to tire. And that word tire means to not just be physically tired, but to be physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted and weary because of the constant bombardment of the enemy. And dear God, isn't that where we oftentimes find ourselves today in this hour in time as the enemy is ramping up the attack now listen to what I'm saying I know I'm talking about the attacks of the enemy but I am not glorifying nor giving him credit to anything that he's ever done you've got to be aware that you are a, 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 up against an, a, an enemy or opposing an enemy but he's a defeated foe Let's establish that right now. Even the fact that we're talking about it, I'm not giving place to nor giving credit to what the enemy does. There is the reality, but the reality is, is that we have the victory. Jesus has made us more than conquerors in Jesus. Amen? But it says in the book of Daniel, it says that the enemy comes against the people, the saints of God, to wear them down, to tire them out. Spiritually, emotionally, and physically, to become weary. In the uh, the New Testament, uh, it also parallels to the the woman that says she was tormented with a spirit of infirmity. So again, the enemy's tactic is to wear down the saints and the people of God. Notice it says this: it says that they purpose to change the feast. Or the holy days. Well, we won't spend a lot of time going into that. But have you ever noticed that over the years, there's been such a shift in the culture of the church? I mean, man, the church used to be strong. The people of God used to be strong. You used to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. People would come together to worship God. People would come and have Bible study. People would come and pray. And now it's hard to get people in church on a Sunday morning for just an hour and a half. There's been an attack to change the feast of the the holy days or just the meeting of of God's people. And then notice it says changing of laws. Have you noticed that there's been a changing of laws within our nation that go against the word of God? In fact, right now in the state of Michigan, you realize our Congress and Senate, they're both Democratic. They lean to the left. And right now, they are trying to pass a bill. It is going before Gretchen right now. And they're trying to pass the law that says there are no exemptions, no religious exemptions. If you don't accept the liberal ideas of the uh, RGBQ, whatever, you know, the, the whole spectrum, the alphabet, they're coming after you. I mean, they are dogmatic, changing the laws. That's the hour that we're living. Amen? But once again, this is the time that we're living in. But what does it do as it begins to wear us down? We see currently in our time, you say again, how does it wear me down emotionally? Well, just think about it from the standpoint of the cost of living. How are we going to make ends meet? How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to do that? There's the spirit of Antichrist that's in our government. People call evil for good. And there's distractions and cares of this world. And then there's, again, the attack on God's people. It will wear you down naturally, emotionally, and spiritually. You might say, how do I know whether or not that's affected me? Have you had the lack or the lack of desire to pray? 
spend time in the Word, to fellowship with God's people, to go to church? If you can answer yes to one or more of those, then you might just say, you know what? You've been experiencing the wearing and the tearing down from the attacks of the enemy. But God's stirring up a people that say, God, I'm running after you. I want to be on fire. I want to be hungry for the things of God. That's the time in which we're living. Now, I ask you the question, why did Jesus not buckle to the pressures of his day? We are not experiencing anything new compared to what Jesus went through. But how did Jesus experience all the distractions, all the attacks, all the storms from every side without buckling? I want to bring your attention over to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Once again in the Amplified, it says this. It says, let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap if we do not give up. Praise the Lord. Come on, let me read that to you again. It says, let us not grow weary, tired. Let us not grow weary or tired or become discouraged in doing good. For in the proper, in the due season, we will reap if we don't get tired and give up. Amen. Pastor Hagen has this statement. He says, I, I will not be defeated. And I, uh, How does it go, honey? I will not be defeated. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. That's how it goes. Amen. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. Praise God. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Praise the Lord. How did Jesus continue to do these things and not buckle to the pressure? Now I'm going to answer the question in an indirect way, but I'm going to answer it through the word of God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, y'all doing all right? Let me bring your attention to 2 Chronicles. I told you that this is a part of my own personal study because I'm going to the Word to stir myself up in days of challenge and the days of storm. Why? Because I've got a promise before God. I've got a promise of what He's called us to do. I've got a promise that He said that you'll go and possess the land. Amen. Well, God said to the people of God, He says, I've prepared a land for you to possess but once again, the enemy likes to come and attack. I want to bring your attention to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 1. It says, It happened after, or ha happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. So notice just real quickly, it says... The people of Moab, the people of Ammon, also the Ammonites, and others, others has to be more than one, so at least five tribes or group of people were coming against Jehoshaphat. So this wasn't just one attack, it wasn't just one enemy, it wasn't just one storm, it was multiple peoples and multiple attacks warring against Jehoshaphat. Have you ever felt like that? The enemy is coming at you from every other side. Yeah. So what did Jehoshaphat do? In verse 3, it says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set, him, set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast through the land of all Judea. So again, the king says, I see the enemy coming. 
And what's the natural response of an emotion? The Bible says that he got into fear. Well, again, isn't that just kind of the natural response? Oh, dear God, what are we going to do? But what did he end up doing or to respond to the news of hearing? It says that he turned his face to the Lord and began to seek God. Amen. And then he called for a fast. All right, people, let's go after God. So what that also means is that Jehoshaphat did not keep it quiet concerning the attack that was happening. He's like, let's not tell the people. Let's keep that from the people. We don't want them to think anything. or get, We don't want them to get discouraged. We don't want them to see what's going on because, you know, dear God, you know, they just might bail on us. No, it says that he made them aware of the attack and said, listen, here's how we're going to handle it. Let's seek God. Amen. He called for everybody to come together. And then as they began to pray and fast, it says over here in verse 15, I'm just skipping through just a little bit. He said, concerning the prophet, says, and he said, listen, all you Judea and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid nor dismayed because the great multitude, uh, because of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but is God's. Tomorrow go down against them, and you will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of of Jeril. So notice what the Bible says. They sought God, and God sent the prophet with a word of the Lord. and says, don't be afraid of your enemy. You'll go down to battle them or face them, but don't be afraid because the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. Amen. I said the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. Amen. So what that means is is as they sought to seek God, God gave them a word to hold on to. And sometimes it's just that word that that's all you have to hang on to. It doesn't mean that the storms stop, but it's the word, it's the anchor that I have in the midst of the storms that are coming from every side. And it seems like the enemy's coming here, coming here, coming there, but I've got a word from the Lord, and the Lord says, the battle's not mine, it belongs to Him. Amen. So when you're facing challenges, you need to seek the face of God so that He'll give you a word that in due season, when you hang on to that, you'll come out on the other side. Amen, because he's faithful. Praise God. All right, then it goes on to say in verse 17. He says, you will not need to fight them or fight the battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to them, for the Lord is with you. Notice once again, he says, you'll not need to fight, but you'll have to go take a stand. Sometimes you just have to show up, and sometimes that's all you can do. But praise the Lord, the Bible says, show up, and he'll show out. Amen. Praise God. And then the scripture says, for the lake of time, uh, uh, continuing to read, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put the praisers out front of our armies, and they're going to begin to lift up their voice. They're going to begin to sing songs of praise unto the Lord. For the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. 
And that sounds like the most ridiculous thing that you would ever... Go put the singers out. Have you seen some singers? Sometimes they're just kind of... Not Doug, not our guy. Our guy is so masculine. He's a husky man, I'm telling you what. But you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you look at those guys and you're like, Dear God, man. And you're going to put them out front of the battle? But they put the praisers out there. Forgive me for saying that. I love you, brother. I mean, again, I, you are a man's man, let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh praise the lord <laughs> so anyways they put the praisers out front they're they're singing songs the lord is good and his mercy endures forever now remember they're going to face an enemy that is outnumbering them but see, now again, here's the strategy of the enemy. And this is where I said concerning Jesus. How did Jesus not buckle under the pressures? He said that he would oftentimes get away to seek the face of the Father. And in those times, God, this is why you've sent me. I've come to do your will. I know why I'm here. Here's what you've said. And you can also be assured that he would begin to lift his voice and praise his Father. Amen? And so as they began to lift their voice in praise, something begins to happen. For instance, well, I'll say this first. The Bible says that as they came to meet the enemy, their praises began to travel amongst the landscape. And it says that it brought about confusion to the enemy so that the different tribes turned on one another and began to fight one another and killed themselves to the point that not one was standing or alive by the time that God's people got there. So when the enemy seems to be so covert and so strategized and so detailed in the attacks that he's bringing against you, your praise begins to bring confusion and breaks down the plan of the enemy. Amen. Secondly, here's what praise does. I'm going to turn my mic off for just a second. So in other words, when you begin to praise, your voice begins to travel across the landscape into every nook and cranny wherever the enemy seems to be hiding. And it brings about confusion because your words carry a substance. Your praise begins to carry a power that sets the captives free. Amen. Not only does it travel across the landscape into the darkest and the lowest places, but when you set the praisers out front and the voices begin to carry and travel, all the armies and those uh, uh, people of God that are marching in time and marching in sync are beginning to walk into the praises that have went before them. Now listen, you know how it is. You get the bad report. You experience the attack. And you might be limping and dragging and just feeling like just there's no hope but then all of a sudden you hear the sounds and the ringing of praise and all of a sudden you find that your posture begins to stand up a little bit more 
And your limp begins to get stronger. And then I'm walking in a cadence where my, strong, my strides are getting longer and longer and longer. And finally, I'm picking up my feet. My chest is back. And the praises are lifting me up. And therefore, I can say, all things are possible for my God. Nothing shall uh, uh, be impossible for Him. I cannot be defeated. I will not quit. I'm more than a conqueror. Christ lives on the inside of me. Come on. Your praises begin to set the culture and the atmosphere for others to walk in. And it lifts them up gives them a confidence in the God in whom we serve amen and the Bible says that they went down and they took the spoils and God was faithful to his promise can you say amen praises confuse the enemy but praises create an atmosphere of unity of strength of faith of energy and again collectively we walk into it and walk with it we can help encourage one another Let me close with this. Will you stand with me? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 8. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. And hear the spirit of faith in what he says. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death in Jesus for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So that death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak, knowing that he who has raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving abounding to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are only temporary. For the things that are seen are only temporary. For the things that are seen are only temporary. For the things that are seen are only temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. In Jesus' name, we will not grow weary. We will not grow tired. We will fulfill the mandate and the call of God. And God is raising up a new remnant, a new people that will go in faith, that will stand with their shoulders back and say, we've got a commission and a call and a plan, and God's going to use me. This is the day. This is our hour. Let's get it done. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I've shared some things that, Lord, you've just been ministering to my heart to help strengthen and undergird and build my faith and remind me of your faithfulness and your goodness and that your promises endure. So, Father, I thank you that we, your people, 
hear the word of the Lord. Not just a man speaking, not just reading scriptures and verses and notes of a sermon, but hear the very voice of the living God speaking to us, saying, Arise in this hour and in this time and go possess the land, for we are well able. And so, Father, we give you all the praise and all the thanks in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. And with that, we come to the end of this episode. We hope that you have found inspiration and encouragement in our discussion today, and we invite you to join us again next week. Let's make 2023 a year of growth and love by sharing the message of our church with others. We encourage you to take the plus one challenge this week and invite someone to join you at our next worship service. You can get more information about our church and say hi to us anytime from our website or social media, all online at gvchurch.tv. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.